Good morning, Emmanuel English Church. So this week we're actually beginning a new sermon series in the book of Ephesians. So please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Um, you can also find sermon notes for our new series on the website at live.echk.org, or I think we can also pop the, the sermon notes into the Zoom chat as well if you're joining in from there. You know, we've, we've just spent you know, the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021 you're looking at EEC's mission and values. And just to reiterate, you know, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus, nurture them to maturity, and send them out to make disciples in diverse contexts in Hong Kong and beyond. So there's this mission. But you know what? With everything going on in the world, in Hong Kong, in our lives, you know, this mission can seem so impossible. And it's, you know, so distant from our, our minds. You know, 2020 has been such a long year. Let me recap some of, some of the things that happened. You know, it started off with the Australian bushfires, you know, one of the biggest wildfires of our time. And then, of course, the spread of COVID-19 throughout the months. And that began a spiral of other, you know, economic recessions around the world. And then there was the Beirut explosion that happened so suddenly, shocked the whole world. And then, of course, in the sphere of politics, you know, there was the Black Lives Matter movement, which is still strong in America and around the world. And that, that coupled along with the, with the political conflict that seems to be coming to a head. You know, in just three days, there's an inauguration and there's a lot of uh, fear around what, what, what might happen then. And of course, here, you know, home in Hong Kong, there's been political changes and tensions that, that continue to impact us uh, right on to today. And of course, that's just two, two places in the world that perhaps we're a little bit more familiar with. And then we sort of think about our life in Hong Kong. Everything that's been going on has actually made things not easier, but, but more difficult. You know, people are more busy trying to make ends meet you know, facing isolation with increased levels of anxiety and fear, feeling out of control with, with everything going on. And in the midst of this big city, you know, we look at ourselves, EC 2021. We're a small church, less than 100 people. You know, when we look at all the things going on in our city and in our world, you know, it doesn't seem like we can make that much of a difference. You know, we seem powerless and, and insignificant. And it seems even more so now that we're not able to meet together. The name for our series in the book of Ephesians is, is simply victory. Victory. God has called his church to, to carry out his master plan for the world. And it's a plan that's guaranteed to succeed. It's a plan that will end in Jesus' victory over every person in power in heaven and earth. You know, this book of Ephesians was written to Christians in the city of, of Ephesus, and they were facing circumstances that made them feel weak and powerless and insignificant. You know, they lived in one of the largest cities of the ancient world. Ephesus was the center of a political and cultural power struggle. You know, the, the Roman Empire was actively asserting their control and dominance. 
in response the subjugated Greek people were trying to push back in different ways. There were strong spiritual powers at work in Ephesus. It was the center of worship for one of the most well-known gods of that time, Artemis. The crowds of people came from all over the world to worship. Now, Acts 19 tells us that the people of the city were, were steeped in magical practices. They were seeking the blessing and protection of, of different spirits. And on top of all of these things, Ephesus was a city of, of commerce and trade. Now, the pull of materialism and wealth was especially strong. So in the midst of all this, the Christians in Ephesus felt very small and powerless. Now they felt discouraged, especially when they heard that their fearless leader, the Apostle Paul, was put in prison awaiting trial in Rome. And so Paul writes to encourage the Ephesian believers. He says to them in chapter 3, verse 10, Don't lose heart over what I'm suffering for you. It is for your glory. Paul's understanding of the situation was the exact opposite of what the Ephesians were thinking and feeling. They aren't weak and powerless. They are a victorious church, loved and blessed by God to execute his master plan for the world. Paul, he's sitting in prison. He doesn't think of his circumstances as, as a setback or a failure. He's writing this this letter filled with thanksgiving, hope, and and confidence. And the reason why is because God had revealed to Paul the truth behind what was going on. Everything that was going on in his life in prison, everything that the the Ephesian church was facing, and and, and the whole world. And, And so Paul starts writing this letter to help the Ephesians see their situation correctly. What does this mean for us as EEC, as a church today? Your beliefs deeply shape your experience and reaction to your circumstances. Let me put this another way. The story you tell yourself to understand your circumstances deeply shape your experiences and feelings. The main problem of the Ephesian church wasn't that they were doing the wrong things. It was that they were not believing the right things about who God was and who they were as God's people. And the result was that they were left defeated and and discouraged. They were paralyzed, unable to, to move out of their spiritual depression. And with everything that's been going on in the world, in Hong Kong and in our lives, perhaps many of us have been wrestling with similar feelings. We need to study and understand what God has to say to us in Ephesians because the true story of our lives is so much different than what we believe as sinful people. To fulfill God's purposes, we we need the story we tell ourselves to match with God's story. Let me take things a bit deeper. Your beliefs deeply shape your experience and response in suffering and pain. 
Your beliefs deeply shape your experience and response in suffering and pain. When we do not believe the right things about God, suffering leaves us devastated and defeated. It actually twists and intensifies the pain that we face in our suffering. When we believe the right things about God, it, it doesn't diminish the suffering we experience, but it does give us the spiritual resources and power to heal by moving forward with God's purpose and intention for our lives. Corrie Tenboon, she was a Jewish Christian. She was captured and put into a concentration camp during World War II. And she experienced horrific things during her time in the camp. She watched many of her close friends get sent to be killed. She watched as her sister's health slowly deteriorated under the harsh conditions of the camp until she passed away. But Corey, she, she held on in faith to the hope of who God was and his plan in the Bible. And in the midst of intense suffering, she was able to bring the hope of the gospel to many of the prisoners. And this hope was necessary for both herself and the many in prison to endure and survive until they were finally set free. And after Corey was released, she devoted the rest of her life encouraging Christians and sharing the gospel to a world that was so broken and in despair from the devastations of the war. You can read Corey's story in a book called The Hiding Place. It's, it's filled with, with suffering and, and pain and, and tragedy, but, but it's also filled with so much hope, power, and joy that came from the faith that Corey had in the God of the Bible. Now, God uses different Christians throughout history, like Corey Ten Boon, like the Apostle Paul, as examples for his whole church. Because God's plan isn't just for one or two Christians to bring hope to the world, it's for his whole church to victoriously fill the world with hope, grace, and the presence of Jesus, together as one body amidst the chaos that's going on. But this whole plan actually starts with us as Christians deeply trusting who God is and what he's done for us in the gospel. And so the Apostle Paul, he starts writing his letter to the Ephesians, writing about all the blessings that God has given to Christians. Now we need to embrace these truths that Paul shares so we can walk victoriously and continue to carry out God's purposes for us in 2021. So for the next couple months and, and into the summer, you know, EEC is going to take time to examine the book of Ephesians in detail, to really reflect and apply it to our lives. You know, small groups will have a chance to study it as we learn about it on Sunday mornings. And the goal is that God will imprint his truths into our hearts and transform us even more to be a church that confidently carries out his plan in Hong Kong. So that's a little bit about our series in Ephesians. We're going to spend the rest of this morning just starting to get a little bit more familiar with this book. We're going to take a look at the whole first chapter 
And then over the next coming weeks, we're going to break down this chapter into smaller sections so that we can really understand it in detail. So follow along. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Let's read God's word and hear God's word together. This is the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. We'll take a break here. Those were a lot of big words, a lot of weighty terms strung together, you know, heavenly places, spiritual blessing, predestined, mystery of God's will, fullness of time, foundation of the world, glorious grace. I'm sure there are a lot of questions about all those and, and, and even more. But before we look in detail, let's, let's focus on the bigger picture. The main point of this whole chapter and today's sermon is this. Fulfilling God's purposes starts by seeking to know Christ's blessings. Fulfilling God's purposes starts by seeking to know Christ's blessings. So fun Bible fact, right? Verses 3 to 14 is known as the longest sentence in the Bible. It's translated into many sentences, but in the original language, it's actually one really, really long sentence. It's 202 words. I'm sure if those who study language will feel like that is an atrocity. You know, Paul starts his letter to the Ephesians. He's overflowing with praise and wonder at how much God has blessed Christians. And, and once he starts writing, he, he just can't stop. He keeps going and going and going and going until he gets to the end. 
that God's blessings are so, are so great and amazing that there are not enough words for Paul to completely describe what they are. And so Paul transfers all of his passion and excitement into this one really, really long sentence. And when he finishes, he realizes it's, it's too much. You know, there's no way that Christians can understand how immensely blessed they are just by reading 202 words. So in verse 15, he stops and, and he prays. He prays, God, cause these believers to understand how blessed they are. Now let the Holy Spirit give them wisdom and, and revelation. Because before these Christians can do anything, they need to deeply understand who they are and what God has done for them. You know, when, when there is knowledge of blessing, purpose follows. And so like Paul, our prayer for ourselves and for each other should constantly be, you know, God, help us to understand how blessed we are. You know, the truth of the gospel is that through faith, God has already given us every spiritual blessing. So, so instead of praying for God to bless us, though, though we should, we should pray even more for God to reveal to us how much we are already blessed in Jesus. Fulfilling God's purposes starts by seeking to know Christ's blessings. We're going to go back to this main point. But let me try to just outline the sections of this chapter so we can understand it a little more. And the first point, something we've already started to talk about, is, is that God has immensely blessed us. God has immensely blessed believers. For verse 3, we've been given every spiritual blessing. Not, not some blessing, not, not a little blessing, every blessing. You know, the basic idea of blessing is something that brings benefit, something that, that's good and, and brings well-being for someone. When we think of blessing, we tend to relate it with material things. You know, we think of words like wealth, long life, prosperity. But what God has blessed believers with is much greater than any material benefit. You know, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. The believers have everything they need for their spiritual well-being for life on earth. When we hear the word spiritual, we tend to think of something that's far off. It's, it's intangible. Like, what is a spiritual blessing? I don't know. It's something we can't see or, or, or feel. But the spiritual blessings that God gives us are very concrete. They transform the way we live and interact with each other, with our family, with our co-workers. They transform how we feel and think, you know, our, our desires, our motivations, our, our strength of heart, our peace of mind, our, our satisfaction in life. And Paul tells us a little bit more of what these spiritual blessings are in verses 4 to 14. You know, they're, they're us being chosen to be holy before God, being adopted as his children, redeemed and forgiven, lavished with rich grace, knowing God's will, sealed with the Holy Spirit. No circumstance in the world, no matter how bad, can take spiritual blessing away. No material blessings come and go, but spiritual blessings stay. 
And the reason is because these blessings don't come from anywhere on earth. They come directly from God in the heavenly places. Okay, what, what are the heavenly places? Well, well, well it's not some place up in the sky where God dwells. So to put it simply, the heavenly places is the unseen part of reality where God sovereignly directs what happens in the world. In these heavenly places are unseen forces of, of good and evil at work in the world, and they influence what happens on the earth. See, all we see is politicians and leaders making decisions about what's going to happen, but in the heavenly places, God is the one directing it to happen by allowing and intervening in the work of these spiritual forces. There's a lot more to it than that, and we're going to get to that in the coming weeks. But the main focus here is that God has immensely best believers. He's blessed us from the heavenly places, from a place higher than any other place on earth. The second point in this chapter is in verses 9 to 11. And it's that God has revealed his master plan to believers. Now, verse 9 tells us he has made known to us the mystery of his will. Mystery means something that's hidden. Now, God had hidden his intention from the world. Now, for centuries and centuries, there were wars, political insurrection, natural disaster, you know, plagues that hit the earth, and nobody had a clue why it was all happening. You know, most of the world is still asking you know, why everything is happening that's happening. You know, why COVID? Why now? Why Trump? Why Biden? Why the NSL? Why all the conflicts? Why global warming? Why all the conspiracies? So many whys. But part of God's blessing to Christians is that he has already revealed to us the why. It's all part of God's purpose or plan to unite all things in Jesus. The word unite means to gather under the authority of. Now God's plan is for everything and everyone to be ruled by Jesus. You know, all of creation, all the orbits of the planets, the development of the galaxies, the migration of the birds, all of the seen powers of the world, the leaders of nations, the powerful and influential people, like you know, Jeff Bezos, now Jack Ma, you know, all, all the unseen spiritual forces in the heavenly places. You know, God's purpose is for everything in heaven and earth to be united in Jesus' rule. It's a plan of cosmic proportions. You know, verse 10 tells us God's plan is for the fullness of the times. You know, it's a plan that God has been carrying out since the beginning of human history that will finally be completed at the end of human history. You know, verse 11 tells us God is working everything out according to his plan. He's working all things according to his plan purpose. Now, God isn't sitting back. He's not hands-off with what's going on in the world. He has carefully designed and planned everything to fulfill his plan. Now, all of the shifts in political power, 
the emergence of new superpowers, the changes in geography, the wars that have been fought, they're all moving towards God's plan to unite all things in Jesus Christ. Now when all the drama of history has been played out, the one who comes out on top is Jesus. And the reason for God's plan is repeated three times throughout this passage. Verse 6, verse 12, verse 14, all tells us it's all for the praise of his glory. Now God's glory is his presence and nature fully revealed. And God's purpose is for everyone to fully see who he is and from their heart honor and admire him with joy and reverence. So this first part of chapter 1 teaches us God has immensely blessed believers. God has revealed his master plan to us. It's, it's a grand plan. You know, it's a plan to end all planets. It's God's end game. He's in complete control over it. And he's doing it all for the praise of his glory. Your beliefs deeply shape your experience and reaction to your circumstances. Well, what story do you live by? What's your narrative for what's going on in the world? How do you make sense of the turmoil of the times? You know, there, there's a deep sense and longing in people to find deeper meaning in what's going on. You know, we tell ourselves many stories about what the end will look like. You know, we're fascinated by the stories we tell ourselves, and that's part of the reason for, for so, so many conspiracies. People are trying to find a, a greater meaning, a greater purpose behind everything. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but in the past couple of decades, more and more you know, movies, books, video games have been, crea have been created that all tell these apocalyptic stories about how the world will end. Mutual assured destruction through nuclear warfare. Environmental catastrophe from global warming. Extin extinction from the sun dying out. Eternal life through artificial intelligence. Evolving as a species into deep space. Fighting to survive in a zombie pandemic. That's the most popular right now. Just FYI. But there is only one true story of the end. No, God is working to bring all things under the rule of Jesus. That's the true story of the world that we are called to embrace as Christians. It's the only story that has the power to give us what we need to prevail through the suffering and chaos of the world and move forward into God's purpose for us. No, embracing this story gives us confidence when things in the world fall apart. Embracing this story gives us the hope we need when things in our lives fall apart. But we live in assurance that God will do what he says, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. Though he is a God who is good, and he does all that is good, and what's good is that he's working for everything to glorify him. What story do you live by? What's your narrative for what's going on in the world? Is it that God has immensely blessed you 
and is working to bring everything under Jesus' rule? Or is it something else? Because as a Christian, not only are you to make this your understanding of life, but God has called you to be a part of this story as part of his church. And that brings us to the last point for this morning. God calls his church to carry out his plan. I want us to turn to verse 16. I'm just going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 to 23. Let's finish reading this chapter together. <clears throat> I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Right, so to summarize this chapter, verses 3 to 14, Paul is overflowing with excitement about all of God's blessings, for believers and, and the plan that he's revealed to us. Verses 15 to 19, you know, Paul stops to pray that Christians would understand just how awesome God's blessings are. And in the last verses, verses 20 to 23, Paul shares the final piece, the most crucial piece of the plan, the work of Jesus for the church and through the church. No, Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's seated at the right hand in the heavenly places. No, seated at the right hand means that God has given Jesus ultimate authority. Jesus has his authority in the heavenly places, meaning Jesus has the power to control everything that goes on behind the scenes in all the events of the world, big and small, seen and unseen. And then the passage ends by saying in verses 22 to 23, he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Right, that's a lot of pronouns, a lot of he's and him's. Sort of makes it a bit confusing. God is saying, I've given Jesus power over everything and I've given Jesus to be the leader of my people, the church. The power of a leader makes a big difference for what they're able to do for you. And we've seen this a little bit as we've sort of followed how different countries are trying to get vaccines for their citizens. So a government's financial resource, their relation to other countries and companies, you know, their negoti negotiating abilities, that they've all factored in to how much vaccine they're able to get for their people. And obviously some people are happier than others at what their government was able to do for them. Jesus who has absolute power, is given to be head of the church. As our head, Jesus uses all his power to serve his people to ensure that they benefit. All of the spiritual blessings we have come through Jesus, who has been made our leader. 
No, God has given Jesus as a gift of leadership and authority to the church. No, there's nothing that happens in our community, in any church community, that Jesus is not in control of. There is nothing that happens to the church that Jesus is not directing. And the reason why the church hasn't been blessed through Jesus is so we can carry out God's master plan. Verse 23, the final verse tells us two important things about who we are as a church. The first, we are, we are the body of Jesus. You know, he directs and leads us. We're connected to him. But second, we are the fullness of Jesus. You know, Jesus fills us with all of his blessings so that we can carry all of his grace and power to the world. You know, Jesus is at work to unite all things in him by empowering his church with his presence to fill the whole world. That's God's end game. There's no plan B. This is the master plan. And we as his church has the tremendous blessing and privilege of carrying it out. This brings us back to the main point for this morning. Now, fulfilling God's purposes starts by seeking to know Christ's blessings. We spent just a little bit of time trying to understand God's ultimate cosmic plan for the universe. You know, contrary to what it might look like to us right now, we're not powerless, we're not insignificant. It's the exact opposite. We are immensely blessed by God. We're completely filled with the presence of God to bring all things under his rule. Now, we have a crucial role to resolving all of the chaos around us. We have a victorious and powerful Lord as our head, and he's leading us to fulfill this plan. But it all starts with us knowing the blessings God has given to us. And this is true for us as, a whole, as us as a whole church and also for each of us as individuals. You know, when you think of EEC, what's the story that you give it? Is it, is it one of pessimistic defeat? Or is it the triumphant, triumphant story that God has already told us in the Bible? You know, perhaps you're left this morning, you're finding it so hard to reconcile what you see around you with what God has said in his word. You know, maybe you're struggling with a lot of difficult life circumstances. You know, all of this talk of, of spiritual blessing, heavenly places, God's master planets, it all seems so, so unreal to you. You know, at different levels, in different ways, we're suffering as a church. You know, simply living in the midst of COVID brings a measure of suffering. But for a lot of us, that's, that's just a start. You know, the, the reality is that, that there are more than just one or two people going through some, some counseling in the, in the UC community for different ways. There's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain. Our beliefs deeply shape our experience and reaction to our circumstances. When we believe the right things about God, it doesn't diminish the suffering we experience, but it does give us the spiritual resources and power to heal and move forward into God's purpose for our lives. You know, with everything that we're facing, 
we need to deeply know in our hearts how much God has blessed us. We need to seek and pray the words of of verses 15 to 19 over and over again for ourselves and for each other. As we understand the blessings we have through Jesus, our hearts are renewed to believe the right things about who God is. We receive the spiritual power we need and we're filled with that same excitement and passion that, that the Apostle Paul had as he was suffering in prison. Over the past month, um, I think through a series of different connections you know, with believers in, in, in Hong Kong, I got reconnected with, with the parents of, 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 a, of a close friend of Evelyn and I. Um, uh, we knew her in Toronto for many years. Uh, you know, we would pray together, we would serve together. But uh, she, she, you know, because of many unfortunate circumstances, she, she, she took her life three years ago. And, and for many people who, who were, you know, a part of that community, it was, it was very hard, especially for the parents. And, and we were very involved in, in the process of trying to figure out what happened, the circumstances. Yeah, so just a couple weeks ago, just talking to, to the parents of, of this friend who passed away. And, and we all knew that she was a believer. Like, she had such a clear faith shown through action and words and deeds. Um, and I was so, so refreshed, so surprised to, to, to just hear the journey uh, of my friend's parents. Um, just so filled with excitement and passion and, and zeal. Like, I, I would have never known that they went through such uh, a, a, a huge loss in, the, in their life. So as, as I heard them share their story, what I heard was they were able to see God's grace at work in their daughter's life and see how that grace was a part of God's plan for their life to, to fulfill his purposes. And now, and now they're in this place where, you know, that, that loss is definitely still there. But they found this comfort, this healing, this purpose in God through coming to realize how blessed they were, even through this great loss. And, and now they're helping so many people, so many believers, so many pastors and church leaders. Um, it was so encouraging to, to see their heart, just, just how the blessings of God can, can turn something for good. And it's all part of his plan. It, it really is. And, and, they, and they truly believe that. And it's made such a big difference, just believing who God is rightly. So I, I'm going to end here for this morning. Um, and what I, what I want us to do is let's spend some time praying. That, that's what we need to do. Just praying for God over the next coming weeks and months to help us to understand even more how much how blessed we are and you know, you can look at the verses uh, you know of 15 to 19 and the words there and just pray that God will just reveal that to us because we need his help to understand his blessings so let's spend time to do that right now